Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex, where oil country shops for printers and office equipment. Service is their business. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. 12.35 in Edmonton, 11.35 in Los Angeles. Bob Stoffer with you. Uh, Todd McClellan has spoken, will not confirm uh, the Oilers uh, lineups. Uh, the Oilers Twitter account has just sent out. Again, the team an optional practice today in Los Angeles at uh, right across the street from my broadcast location here at the Staples Center. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl commenting on Zach Cassian potentially joining his line. Uh, Leon quoted as saying he brings a lot of physicality and finishes his checks. That should help us a lot. So let's just assume, based on yesterday's practice, we're looking at Hall with Dreisaitl and Cassian. We're looking at Pouliot with McDavid and Everly. We're looking at Purcell with Lander and Yakupov, and then Henriksen Latestu with either Korpakovsky or Pakarinen. Jujar Kera recalled uh, yesterday in uh, practice in Leduc when they had a full practice. He had Sekro with Fain, Davidson with Osterley, and then Nurse with either Clendenning or Schultz. And again, there's a possibility, I guess, in theory, that Justin could get sat out after a tough performance against Ottawa. Cam Talbot, uh, Jack Michaels tweeting out, will start in goal. Brennan, you're going to give me crap. I missed something uh, in the first half hour of the show. Big blockbuster trade. <laughs> well, also, you, what did you say the over-under was on uh, trades before the deadline? I think you had it at three. So does that go to four now with yesterday's blockbuster? I'm not taking, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking that. Well, here's the <laughs> deal. Uh, I'll say three players will get moved okay. off the off the active roster. So, uh, But, yes, Philip Larson, who, and I know some of the analytics guys like him, and – I guess, you know, I certainly have time for applying analytics to conversations, but also like, you know, to to see the players play and then try to gain some information. Um, Philip Larson traded for a fifth-round draft choice to the Vancouver Canucks. Larson had previously played in the Dallas system for both Willie Desjardins and Glenn Gullitson. That is who is currently in Vancouver on their uh, coaching staff. Willie, a good guy, uh, is the head coach of the team. Gullitson's an assistant. Um, you wonder what may end up happening with Vancouver at the end of the year, but Jim Benning has gone, stepped up, made the trade. You know, uh, Larson had very good numbers uh, this year in the, uh, playing for the Finnish team in the KHL. Um, I don't think, in my opinion, that Larson has as high a ceiling as a guy like David Runblad, a former first-round draft choice. That was a Chicago pick that was could have been picked up on waivers at one stage. He's not a Chicago pick, but he was with Chicago. He played, I think he played about 50 games last year for the Blackhawks and had three goals and 17 points. Uh, Runblad's about six foot two, 190 pounds, and a right shot. He's playing over in the Swiss League right now. And in my opinion, if I was looking at bringing a, uh, a defenseman over from Europe, because the Oilers have already had Larson through here, Runblad for me might. You know, I might be willing to take a flyer on as a third pairing puck mover to potentially play with a guy like Davidson next season. Okay, we all know the Oilers have to improve their their top four defense. Getting a healthy cleft bomb next year would would help them, and then they'd have Sekera, of course, Nurse developing, but they would certainly need another unequivocally another top forty, and and I do find. A guy like Run, Runblad potentially appealing. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but he's got an offensive dimension to his game as well. So, anyhow, what do you think of the trade? Is it a big deal? Is it a little deal? You can text us at 630, 630. Uh, 
a fifth-round pick for Philip Larson. What do you think, Brendan? Well, um, I think Larson could still be an NHL player. Maybe uh, it works out for him in Vancouver, but by any means, I don't think he was in the Oilers' plans, and they need better defensemen than Larson to begin with. So uh, to get a fifth for an asset that probably wouldn't play, I'm fine with it. How can you complain? Yeah. And, I, you know, people say, well, what about Griba's your number six paired with Davidson? You can make that argument. Um, I personally think the Oilers' inability to transition the puck is a concern. And, I mean, they need to get – I mean, we all know what's gone on here. Justin Schultz has lost his confidence, uh, had some offensive ability, and never grew as a D-man here in Edmonton. There are people in hockey that I talk to that would say, you guys just – you guys did a poor job developing him. <laughs> That's what they'd say. Others would say, nope, he doesn't have it. Uh, and the amount of turnover. And again, Justin Schultz started with Ralph Kruger as a head coach, then Dallas Akins, then Todd Nelson, and now uh, a more experienced coach in Todd McClellan. Um, the turnover and the fact that the team hasn't taken the next step forward has you know, exposed Schultz a bit. And Schultz has, I think just says, hasn't hasn't grabbed the opportunity that's there. And I think at this stage, Justin's probably looking for a second opportunity elsewhere as well. I mean, when you're getting booed on home ice, that is a tough, tough thing to do. Um, but no question, the Oilers have to upgrade in goal. I think the hope is that Talbot, even though his save percentage has dropped off of late, is a step up in goal. You know, he's got the three-year extension. It's actually called the bridge contract by Peter Shirelli when the Oilers did it. They got to get more out of the forwards going as well, and uh, there's lots of reasons why Edmonton's in this position. As we go to our headliner today, it is presented by ATB Financial, ATB Alberta's Home Ice Advantage. Drew Remenda and uh, I grabbed Drew before we had the morning uh, skate, the optional day, and Drew was bringing it. Drew, it's been a, a tough stretch of late for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, five straight home losses. Um, and uh, there's lots of reasons why, ultimately, the team didn't get it done at home. They open up a quick two-game road trip against two very good teams from the Pacific Division. And I think the only thing, you know, from my perspective, Drew, I'm looking at it going, well, you know, maybe fear, fear of embarrassment might bring the best out the Oilers over the next two games because there were some underwhelming performances at home during the homestand. They had some good minutes against Anaheim when they had to elevate a bit, but ultimately couldn't win the game. Uh, your thoughts first on the homestand and then uh, to the start this road trip. Um, I disagree with you that there are a lot of reasons why. Okay. I think there's one reason why. And what's that reason? The players. Yeah. Period. End of discussion. They're not playing with detail. And they're not playing with what the coaching staff has given them all season long. The direction, the structure, the the right way to play. They have decided somewhere along the line, especially if they're in this homestand, that they can just go out and do whatever they want. What they have done in the past works, which it clearly doesn't. We all see that. They, they think that they can just go out and go through the motions. Some of them not even go through the motions. That they can go play the easy way and then whatever happens, happens. To me, what they have they have done is they have done a complete reversal of what I thought was going to happen this year and what actually was happening this year. So I know sometimes that, that you know, and I've got into these discussions and arguments regarding, you know, direction and coaches and different voices, blah, 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 and we both have valid points there. But the number one point that I see in this latest homestand, and you started to see this game slip by a lot of players and the key players on this team, yeah. is that it's on them, 100% on them, and for some reason they've decided to just go out and do what has been constantly failing for them in their NHL career and think that they can get by on it. 
I don't know if it's for whatever reason, it's whatever reasons. But tell me anybody on that team, anybody on that team who has had a career where they can give themselves permission to go play like they did the other night in front of their home fans. Anybody on that team, can they give themselves permission to play that poorly? Like there's Court Bukowski and Hendricks and Lestestu and and Ido Pacarina are going to play hard all the time. They they are. But... They're, you know, there's. They're, you need your skilled guys to play yeah, hard to compete. To compete, did they? Are they? No, they're not. That's so. That's to me. There's. There may be underlying reasons why that's happening that you're talking about. Maybe running many reasons there. But as far as I'm concerned, the the, the lack of success and the way this team's played lately is 100% on the guys that get their skates on every night. That's fair enough. I, I guess where I was going was the combination of factors, and it's people hate hearing it. But yeah, Oscar, it's, Cl- a crutch. it's a crutch. But, it's a crutch. Uh, but Clefbaum and 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 Nugent Hopkins, their best defenseman and their best player last year, not being available to them, that weakens their lineup. Their defense, we all know, is not good enough. I do, I do agree with you though. Like the top end skill guys up front did not work hard enough on this latest homestand, and it played a factor in the team. But if but if you keep throwing that out there, and I'm and I'm certainly when you're when some of your top players are out, your lineup weakens. But that doesn't mean you should be able to go out and give yourself permission to take the night off. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, you may not get the results because some of your top players are out, but that doesn't mean you can't go out and battle. I mean, when you look at when you look at say Patrick Kane, I, you know, and that's, I know that's the high example. He's the best player in the league right now, for argument's sake. There's many reasons why he could have packed it in this year. Right. He could have. He is, but he showed more than anything. He is one of the most mentally tough players in the National Hockey League. If you don't have your A game, what is your B game going to bring? Patrick Kane. I asked Patrick Kane about it one day. About where does that come from? Where's the mental? He goes. He goes. Sometimes you're feeling great and everything. You step on the ice and all of a sudden your legs are heavy and you think I don't have it. So what you think about the next shift? Okay. How do I get it? You start concentrating on one thing. I'm going to check hard or I'm going to just throw three bars. Checks. I'm going to do this, and then you start building on shift by shift by shift. But you've got to start somewhere. He goes, you can't give yourself permission to take the night off. And so when I look at mentally strong players, as I agree that if you have players who are injured out of your lineup that are important, play big minutes, your team is not going to be as good, doesn't have a good a chance to win. But that doesn't give you the excuse to pack it in. That's all right. That was not a gunshot. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to get you to put your GM's hat on then. Okay. I mean, it's funny how things work out, and I'll give you an illustration of this, and I'll try to do it in a Coles Notes version. So let's just say, hypothetically, Craig McTavish had elected to hold on to Ralph Kruger and to trade for Corey Schneider. I am of the belief that the Edmonton owners, obviously they would not have had Darnell Nurse. He would have been in the Corey Schneider trade. Uh, they also would not have had, in my opinion, either Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid. So everything does happen for, when you think about it. Because Corey Schneider is a goaltender that gives you a chance to win every night. And he plays every night. Yeah, he you know, he's got 34 of his last 42 starts. He's given up two or fewer goals. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a chance to win in that situation. On that note, so you do have Nurse, Dreisaitl, and McDavid. They have changed the complexion long-term potential. I mean, I think we all know. We know what we know that Connor McDavid's damn. He's an untouchable. I think he can make a strong argument. Leon Dreisaitl's probably an untouchable. Darnell Nurse is a pretty exciting defenseman. Does this change? Does this change the makeup? Potentially put your GM hat on here of what you might be able to do to change the culture and the environment of the team based on players. Um, 
you know, I always look at um, long-term versus short-term. And I learned that lesson in San Jose. Um, I think it was our third draft um, where the, the Sharks had second pick overall and they traded down. So they traded to Hartford for number six pick. They picked Victor Kozlov. They also got Sergei Makarov in that. Sergei Makarov became the first 30 goal scorer in the San Jose Sharks history. Made the playoffs that year with, along with a lot of other guys. Picked up Freddie Nielsen and, and, and Vili Pelton and a few other, a couple other guys in that trade. And we got Victor Kozlov. The Hartford Whalers picked a guy named Chris Pronger. Yeah. And so the short-term game for the Sharks was, and, and, it, and it worked for the Sharks for a bit because they made the playoffs. We made the playoffs in that third year with, because, of, because of Mac and guys like that uh, and kept making the playoffs, you know, when we, we lost to Calgary and, and or beat Calgary and beat Detroit and all those things. But it was short-term gain over long-term gain. And Chris Pronger would have been a long-term gain. Um, so I think when you look at it, you know, for sometimes the trades you make are uh, the ones you don't. The best trades you make are the ones you don't. So, yeah, Connor is untouchable. Leon probably is untouchable. And Darnell, I would say that when you talk about, you know, your guy, Oscar, I think he's probably untouchable right now. I would look at a guy like uh, Brandon Davidson as being untouchable right now. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Brandon's a terrific hockey player. I think he's the best defenseman they got right now. Well, I would certainly yeah. play like the best yeah. defenseman. Um, and I'd say right now, that would be about it. Maybe Cam, if you, you, know, you want that solid goalie. But that's, that would be it for me. Everybody else, there's got to be options out there for you. Um, I think the one thing that when you look at this situation, I think you talked about it a long time ago, is that there was going to be a year that Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan were going to have what they've got. They were going to look at it and say, okay, how are they going to play under Todd? How are they going to play under this structure? How are they going to play another team? Are they going to get a chance to grow? Um, I think there was some optimism because of the way that Jordan and Taylor played at the World Championships that they thought, well, okay, this, this might work. Um, and the last five games, that started to throw some doubt into that thought process or that optimism. All right, you have a stretch where Drew Romano joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Five straight losses for the Edmonton owners at home. Uh, that means there should be changes to the existing lineup that you have, notwithstanding the potential trade options. Justin Schultz out for you? Yeah. We're at that stage. Yeah, yeah, we're at that stage. Um, and that's not going to, you know, change the complexion that much. But also, I, you know, far be it for me to tell Todd how to coach, um, but I would like to see the lines change, too. I would like to see, and I don't know how. I've well, been based on yesterday, there's a distinct yeah, possibility yeah. we're going to see that. Yeah, so, and I don't, I, I don't know how, and I don't know, you know, whether it works or not. You know, it's kind of like, you know, shuffling the chairs on the Titanic kind of thing. But um, when you look at what's going on right now, you need some sort of spark, some sort of change. You need something to work. And you need other guys to start. Your top guys need to pull everybody else along. It's easier to pull a rope than push a rope. And right now, the Oilers are pushing the rope. And and you have to have your top guys get some sort of life back in them. Stop worrying about Monday. Stop worrying about the trade deadline. Stop worrying about what's happened. Start looking about what's going on with your team and start leading. There you go. Uh... All right, Drew, uh, you're fired up. There's I am all fired up today. It, yeah. Do you buy the fear of embarrassment going up against LA and Anaheim? Because I think for this group right now, they were. I, I do believe it's a different. It's a it's a different team. They recognize how good McDavid is, and I think guys want to be a part of it. And I think some guys are nervous that they might not be a part of it as of Monday. And I think it's it played against them, and some guys cratered. But 
there's a different type of fear, and that's the fear of embarrassment if they don't come to perform in these next two games. Because L.A. and Anaheim, they can run you right out of the barn. And if they don't have that fear of embarrassment, I'm going to question every single one of their character. I really am. I mean, you're going against the L.A. Kings and the Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks are the best team in hockey since December 27th. They have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, they both play heavy games. We both know what they are. You know, they are who we thought they were. And when you look at those teams, if you're going in there thinking, well, we can just get by tonight without battling, without competing, without putting everything on the line, if I don't have some ice bags ready by the end of the game tonight, if I'm a player, then I haven't done my job. If you don't win, you don't win. But, geez, can you just go out and compete? Can you just go out and play to the best of your ability and play as hard and physical and do the things you know you're supposed to do in order to win? That's That's all. You're absolutely right. If you don't play with a fear of embarrassment tonight, you will be embarrassed. Welcome back, everybody. 1251 in Edmonton. That is Drew Remenda. You can text us at 630-630. Topher Allen says, Bobby, Davidson ahead of Clefbaum. You okay? Well, Drew said that in his mind, Brandon Davidson is an untouchable. I would for sure re-sign Brandon Davidson. He's a restricted free agent, uh, probably on either a two- or a four-year deal. Uh, but Clefbaum's an important part of the Oilers' defense as well. Topher uh, Allen was all over me yesterday, Bob, for a Clefbaum comment as well. What I said was if the Oilers somehow got Ekman Larson, then I'd be comfortable if Clefbaum was their number two moving forward, and he did not agree with that. And I don't oh, think he's entitled. He, he's entitled to his opinion. That's that's you know he's not a Clefbaum fan. That's fine. You're you're allowed to be that. I'm not a big fan of trolls myself, and I'm not calling Topher Allen a troll. But how about this text that just came in? Oh my! Oh my God, Bob, get in the future. The oil we're not getting Schneider. No matter how connected you pretend to be, or how many times you say it. Well, Brad, the deal again was Corey Schneider to Edmonton for the number seven overall pick, a second-round pick, and Martin Marincin. That is what Vancouver wanted. They settled for the number nine overall pick, which allowed them to take Bo Horvat from the New Jersey Devils. Uh, so take it for what it's worth. And then he adds, says Brad, because he's a smarty Jones, uh, there's a Sergei Makarov shark story 60 years ago. Shut up, Drew. No one is untouchable on this group of characterless underachievers except Hendricks, says Brad. So Brad's going to pass. He's, he's going to say that uh, Connor McDavid is not an untouchable, a 19-year-old player, but a 34-year-old Matt Hendricks is an untouchable. Brad, you must be from Calgary. you got to be from Calgary because there are not Texers to the show. That's stupid from Edmonton. We'll take a quick break. 12.53 at Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Some guests in Oilers Now received guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue, 1256 Mountain Time in Edmonton, 1156 Pacific. The Oilers with an optional. They take on the L.A. Kings tonight. Hey, hockey fans, New West Travel and Transit Holidays have teamed up to bring you a great selection of special travel packages for destinations for weddings, honeymoons, sport packages, river cruises, golf getaways, and for the outstanding employees and salespeople in your company. New West Travel can design specific meeting and incentive reward packages to a variety of destinations around the world that will meet your budget. Plus, they all include parking at Edmonton International Airport Value Park. For all information... Uh, call the friendly staff at New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. Uh, Brad from Calgary saying that the Oilers' only untouchable is Matt Henricks. <laughs> Brad, you got, there's got to be 
not like 98.5% of the people I hear from in Calgary are really smart, hardworking people. And I think they would value Connor McDavid probably as an untouchable. But you have uh, said that the only untouchable is a 34-year-old player who, in his own admission, would probably be, because Matt Henricks has humility, he would say, I'm probably not an untouchable. I get that. I'm 34 years old. He is a player. Brad, if your point is that Henricks plays with character and pride, you're right. He does. He does. But even his play has dropped off a little late. The Oilers' penalty killing hasn't been quite as good as it was. Um, the team has underperformed. There are lots of reasons why it has happened. Um, Drew Remenda makes a strong point that the top-end players have not been good enough. And look, Holland Dreisaitl went cold. They went cold. They were hot for about a 15 At the start of the year, people in Calgary were saying, we got Sam Bennett. We got the better player than Leon Dreisaitl. Then Dreisaitl was, and somebody can look this up for me, but I think Leon's still top 10 in the NHL in even strength scoring per 60 minutes played in the league or points per 60 played uh, in the National Hockey League. Like, he's had a pretty, I think he might even be top five still. But he's been cold of late. Him and Hall have struggled. And so now the Hall haters come out, oh, Hall's not that good, see? I mean, for the first 50 games of the year, he was a top four left wing in the NHL. He has, he's had a tough 10-game stretch. So is the whole team. They got to figure it out. They got to pull out of it. But there's lots of work that needs to be done here. Hacks with Hags, Joe Haggerty out of Boston in the second hour of the show, along with Jimmy Fox, Kings analyst and head coach of the Bakersfield Condors, uh, Jerry Fleming. Off to 6:30 Chad News weather traffic update with Eileen Bell.